Lexi and I'm a self-discovery coach and yoga instructor serving people through my business Alive to Enjoy and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions all in mini cuddly episodes. Hello, lovely humans. I'm stoked for today because I brought on Brady Mac, a nervous system guru who just opened up his own studio, which I'm so excited for him. And on this episode, it'll be dual casted on my podcast and on Brady's. So it's super special. And to start off today, well, first I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, Brady. Sure. Yeah. Well, firstly, like, Thanks for setting this up and so, so epic to share a conversation with you as always. Um, yeah, I will also be releasing this on the Blissful Movements podcast. And for anyone who's listening to this on the Blissful Movements podcast, feel free to check out my good friend Lexi's podcast called Heart Snuggles, um, which is if you could imagine if a person personality was Heart Snuggles, uh, it would be Lexi. So uh, <laughs> definitely worthwhile uh, checking her out if, if you're into the snuggles or, or into warm heartedness. Uh, feel free to check that out as well. Awesome. So I am a self-discovery coach, a yoga instructor, and a human connector. I love bringing people together. And today I'd like to start off with a question of when was the last time last random act of kindness someone did for you? Oh, thank you. Wow. That is such a refreshing question. Yeah. Um, I think that the last time it, it would have definitely been my partner, Leanne. She's, she's a godsend. Um, yeah. I think just like making me like a, a coffee a, a few moments ago, it's just like so nice to be in a new relationship and uh be cohabitating this space and um just like to like be in partnership and like really like look out for each other and like just genuinely just like care without getting into like the nitty-gritty of like meanness i this and like they them that it's like we, we just operate just as like a team and a unit in such a beautiful way and so yeah i'm, I'm sure there's there's plenty more bigger acts of kindness but I mean, you bring me coffee. I'm a happy camper for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, my roommate, he always is doing little things. I'd say the last thing he did was, oh, I'm trying to think. There's like all, every day, all day he's doing things. Oh, he took my car for seven hours and brought it to his mechanic and they worked on it like all night and fixed all the little things for free that I, my car needed. So that was a huge one. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's such a great question. Where did you get it from? I thought of it in the bathroom when I was about to interview my roommate and my other best friend. And I was like, okay, I got to think of an opening question. And I was like, give me an answer universe. And boom. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. Yeah. I, I did a meditation uh, or a a Buddhist retreat once and, and it, there is inevitably lots of meditation. And one of the meditations was, was that it was like a kind heart meditation, but um, it was more so um, 
when other people had done kind acts and, and meditating on that and remembering what that was like for you to experience. And, and they said, that that's what brings like real joy is like wishing that for someone else. Like, like being in that, in that moment of not them and not you like giving or receiving, but like the, the transaction that happens in between the relationship that happens, it's like the intention behind doing the kind act. And they're like, just meditate in that, just marinate in that, be in that. And you're just like, Oh, you're, you're kind of like your heart's snuggling, aren't you? <laughs> That's a snuggly moment for sure. <laughs> and I wanted, yeah, like both of us are trying to create more of that in the world. And I think that's so beautiful. Totally. And I'm curious how, how you cultivate, like you're talking about with your partner and I know you do it with other people in your life, like those relationships that are truly just pure and each partner, each person is giving and receiving and is like giving without expectations. And how do you cultivate those in your life? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I, like in full transparency, I don't always like I, I often give with expectation. I'm not, I'm no like expert in um, like just giving unconditionally. Like I, I certainly ha- like fall into the ego trap often. Um, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. And I had a really beautiful conversation with uh, someone recently on, on like touch and that being um, like real truth. And, and so when we talk to each other, there's, there's so much opportunity for like lying <laughs> or like inauthenticity. Like I can just change the tone of my voice or I can, you know, just say something that's, that's not true. And there's so much opportunity to like put on this facade or this mask. Um, but with touch, so when I, when I touch another human and when another human feels me touching them, there's not, there's no lying in that. There's no inauthenticity. There's, there's like, it's the realest thing that I think as humans we can know is like feeling, sensing and, and, and specifically touch. And so I've been playing a lot with this idea of like, how can I like touch people um, in, in both, you know, my clinical practice, but, but also um, yeah, just in relationship playing with like, how am I, how is this person sensing me right with their somatic nervous system? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that answers your question as a bit of a rant, but it's, it's just an inquiry to, to be in and a fun one to like, you know, what is, what is a, a real meaningful, uh, pure relationship is, is like, relationships that you can touch relationships that you can feel. I agree. Touch is my love language. So I really resonate with that. And you can feel so much when you're actually in contact with someone. I was just explaining that to one of my friends, how much I value touch. (laughs) And also it's interesting because one of my old roommates, she like she had, she touch was not her thing and she didn't like touch and it was traumatic for her so it's interesting Mm -hmm. like with certain people how to honor that and then and how to respect that and others too because sometimes touch isn't a safe thing for people yeah totally thank you and and in trauma-informed work is like how can i establish safety in touch because ultimately you know humans can't survive without touch it's the only sense that we can't survive without 
we, we actually need it. It's, it's crucial to um, us doing things like, like breastfeeding or doing things like, um, you know, being able to sense if something is, is hot or cold or pressure filled, like we are proprioceptors need to be active for us to, to survive. And so when we, Unfortunately, when people go through traumatic events that involve touch, it can be really hard to integrate touch back back into like a safe space within the system. Um, and I would argue that it's it's probably the the most crucial piece to healing trauma is is the somatic experiencing of of yourself in the world because that's that's how we get a picture of ourself in the world is like there's um there there's so many different ways that we perceive ourselves, but mostly it's through our, our somatic nervous system and that branches out throughout the body and it senses and feels and if we dissociate like we do in trauma um sometimes it's either hypervigilant or dissociative and if we're dissociative we, we actually start to lose senses of self and so um some of, some of my greatest teachers say you know some of the best work that you can do is feel your big toe <laughs> which is like such a, a funny thing to ask someone to do but the reason being is is our neurons have to travel the furthest place that they can travel is to your big toe. And so if you can feel your big toe on, on both sides, there's a good chance that, that you have um, a decent sense of self. And, and then, you know, you can start to play with that a bit. What does it mean to feel it? It's like, can I get a, an idea of like the size, the shape, the weight of that big toe? And the more that you start to practice this, sometimes it's hard to, to actually get a, a good sense and picture for like, okay what is the weight of my big toe what is what is the structure of it you know and as you start to do this it, it can be some of the most powerful work for for reestablishing uh, associative uh, image of yourself and thus who you are in the world hmm. yeah i'm dancing my big toes around right now as you say that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's when, cool when, I've heard that before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and something you can play with is like, not just your big toe. Like that's, that's kind of like the, the furthest that your neurons travel, but specifically if, if you have uh, trauma in specific areas and you know where those areas are is like, how can I, how can I reintegrate that area back into cell? Because as humans, our nervous system is really good at avoiding pain. Right. And so, mm -hmm experience a trauma, a pain in, in specific areas, we will purposefully not feel into that area. Uh, a really, uh, really beautiful example of that um, is when someone has like a heartbreak, when someone suffers a heartbreak, we see their shoulders start to roll in and forward and they start to protect the heart. But what happens then is, is we actually stop breathing into that space. So we'll start to use the lower and the back part of our lungs and we stop breathing into the heart space. And what happens when we stop breathing into the heart space is uh, well, a whole lot. We stop massaging the heart with the, the 20,000 breaths that we take per day, right? Um, we stop stimulating those hormones there. There's the thalamus and hypothalamus that are so correlated to the heart space um, that, that 
our, our glandular systems that produce hormones within the body. And if, if we're not massaging the, these areas of the body, we're not producing those hormones. We're going to change the way that we feel. We're going to change the way that we behave and show up to life. And so reintegrating, um, you know, a, a full awareness of self of like literal physical self can be uh, literally life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like tapping into the body, especially the heart. I love, I love that work. And what are some of your ways to help people open up their hearts, especially after a heartbreak? Yeah, thank you. Um, so for me, I, I primarily teach breath work and clinical breath work. So what I do is I take people and um, have have quite a, a vigorous intake with them, get to know them a little bit, and then. Um, once they establish safety and relationship, I get them to, to lay down onto a, a massage table and we take a look at how they're breathing. Uh, and it's one of these things that, you know, we're, we're not taught is like how to breathe. And it's something that we do over 20,000 times per day. It's like, it seems pretty important to, to know how to do something. If you're going to be doing that, you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. Um, but no one ever, no one ever teaches you that. And so what we do is we we take a look how how am i currently breathing and what we're specifically looking at is your subconscious breath pattern so not necessarily the the conscious breath of like you know if i ask you to breathe into your chest right now you can do that or if i ask you to breathe down in your belly likely you can you can do that um but what i'm looking at is your subconscious breath pattern so when you're not paying attention to where and how the breath is moving what, what signals is it sending? Because every breath sends a signal to your brain, to your nervous system. And so when we start to understand that, if, that these signals are, are sending, are being sent to our nervous system all day long, we can start to understand like why we show up in certain ways, right? And so, you know, I'll give you an example of that with the heart. Another one would be, you know, if someone's breathing heavily into their adrenals, uh, which are just kind of below the front uh, center of your ribs, um, if they're breathing heavily into their adrenals or massaging these glands that would produce adrenaline, right? And, and we know what adrenaline feels like, I think most of us anyway, and it, it feels like activating, right? And, and that can be like really great if, you know, you, you, your life's in danger. Um, it's, it's really useful to, to pump out adrenaline. Um, but most of us, most of the day are not with our lives at risk. Most of us are, are really kind of trying to downregulate, right? And so that can be really, really brutal if, if the prime, if most of my breath is breathing into my adrenals. And so what we might do is, is help people integrate breath deeper down towards um, to their bottom diaphragm. And that actually presses down through their pelvic floor. So like you can breathe almost as deep as the ribs. Um, and what that starts to do is it starts to massage digestion. And, and when we massage digestion, our, our intestine and our gut, that's where, you know, 80% of our serotonin is, is, is produced. And our serotonin is that bliss feeling, is that, is that feel-good hormone. It's after the dopamine, it's, ah, it's an exhale. It's, it's I'm safe. I feel satiated. I feel great. And um, when we change the breath to, instead of massaging the adrenals to massage, you know, digestion, start to produce serotonin, well, there's profound effects there, right? Um, and imagine if, if that was your life all day long, you could reprogram that subconscious breath to, to do that. And 
Some people are the opposite. You know, some people are just breathing. They're not able to breathe up into their heart space. And, and that can be really tough. And so you asked earlier, you know, how do we open up the heart? And so it would be the same thing, but in, in the reverse is, is, you know, some people might be breathing into their belly and we would encourage them to breathe up into the chest. And, and that can be feel really vulnerable, really hard. Um, but what we do is we do it in a safe way. And so they realize that this vulnerability is, is safe. It's safe to open my heart. It's safe to, to be open hearted. Um, which is really hard, but once we realize it's safe to do, we can start to build neuroplasticity and that's just a rewiring of the nervous system. And we can start to build that neuroplasticity that continues to reinforce this pattern of safety when I'm open hearted, you know, we, we can play around with like what open hearted means, but I think everyone gets a sense for like that general joy and lust for life. Yeah. Welcoming all of it. That's what I like to think of open hearted is, is like allowing all of life to be with you and you to move through it all and welcoming all that there is. So, yeah, I think I love that. That's, those are some great techniques and so simple. It's like not this massive thing like that you have to prepare for or anything crazy. It's just a simple few breaths in the right place and to teach your body that. Mm, that's so good yeah I, I was thinking as you you were saying that is of the michael singer quote and it's something along the lines of when we close our hearts we're not actually protecting ourselves from anything we're just stopping the flow of life from passing through us and um he's, he's just got such a, a beautiful gift for writing and for for being and so yeah, anyone, anyone who's interested in opening their heart, I, I would recommend The Untethered Soul as a book to, to start. That, that, I think, was one of the first books that, that really, truly opened me. Um, so highly recommend that for any listeners out there. Yeah. And when was the time that your heart was closed and um, you moved through that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Um, certainly in times of, of heartbreak, and, um, yeah, I think that there was a time in my life kind of after high school and kind of in the college, I was dating this, this one girl and, uh, and yeah, she really broke my heart. Like I was kind of, um, I don't know, I was like a, a great boyfriend, you know, I was like so committed. I was like, in, I was so in love. Right. And then, um, and yeah, I, I, I like got cheated on and that was really tough. And, um, for a long time, I think it was closed for, for many, many years after that. It was, it was this, it was this feeling of, uh, yeah, of like real vulnerability of like, I can't let that happen again because your heart is so crucial for life, right? It's, it's this energetic pulsation that's like always beating, pumping. And it's like, when that gets, that gets threatened, it's like, ouch <laughs> you know i was like i i can't i cannot let that happen again and so i think it's a, a continuous process of you know finding safety and building relationships and um those relationships are both like externally with other people and and with yourself and so my practice of of um cultivating the, this sense of home in my body been really really powerful and really potent to um to to feel like i'm at home which is like you know is 
a sense of safety and, and relationship in a, in a way, right? And so, yeah, continuing to cultivate that still daily um, is is kind of the, the ultimate practice, I think, for anyone. Yeah. I agree, yeah. It's so easy. There's so many parts in life where our, our hearts want to close. Someone betrays us. Someone you know, screws us over. There's so many little moments. Someone hurts us so deep and we just want to close off from the world and protect our heart. Everyone always tells me that like, oh, that guy did that to you, protect your heart. You know, like always like we're told to put our defenses up at all times and that's the normal and we're not taught how to open up and to soften and to feel and to welcome and to heal and to trust again. I think that is the a really big correlation with opening your heart to is trust because you have to trust again in relationships to keep your heart open in new circumstances and to, to be open to that you're going to get hurt again. <laughs> it's like, there's no avoiding that in life. And I, yeah. And I, and I think for me, it comes down to, do I have a capacity to hold that? Because in some ways, you know, the practice ultimately can be to always remain open and always continue to open until you can't. And if you can't, if that ends up being, you know, traumatizing and trauma, my definition of trauma is unprocessed emotion is, is so when something is so crippling that, that you actually, your system can't handle it anymore. then what does it do? It shuts down or stores that somewhere. Right. And so when, when we close our heart sometimes, or we dissociate, like sometimes like that, that's actually like really, really useful. It's kind of like, you know, when you, when you touch something hot, you get burned. It's like, you don't want to, you actually don't want to feel that fully. Like that's actually really, there's, there's a lot of wisdom and intelligence in the body system to, to dissociate. Like it's, it's built in there for, for a reason. And so the practice for me is, it's kind of twofold. It's, it's how can I remain open? and expand my capacity to remain open. So, you know, sometimes in partnership and in work or um, in sport or hiking or anything, you reach your capacity. You you reach this breaking point where like, you better rest, you better seek safety. And, um, and then likely you can, you know, pick up the pieces later, but ultimately, you, you know, we need to take breaks. We need to take rest. We need to close sometimes so that we can reopen with more resilience. The key for me to resilience is lung capacity. So my theory is that we can handle any of life's situations if we pause and take a breath first. And it's not even really a theory because, you know, at the point where you don't take a breath, you're actually dead. So, so that means you can't handle it. But so long as you are still living, you are still breathing, you, you can handle it ultimately because you're still here. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good reminder because the, the reason that those mechanisms are there is to keep us safe and we are, we can't always have our heart open. I guess I was thinking like how my heart was just closed for years. And so now I'm just like trying to keep it open as much as possible and but yeah we have to build that window of tolerance i kind of think is what you're talking about is that yeah exactly yeah yeah thank you so what's your practice to to remaining open you said you know it had broken and um 
it's been many years since like in this process of like reopening and reopening, which like I, I so honor you for like, thank mm-hmm. you for doing that for, for yourself and, and for the world, everyone that you touch, you know, what's that process like? Yeah. It's just a, a, a noticing of how much I contract and how much I pull away from others and from situations and, how I dissociate, I was a big dissociator or freeze. That's like my main trauma response is like in heightened situations, I just freeze and shut down and don't feel. And so I remember like, I didn't, I hadn't cried. My yoga training was four years ago and I never cried before then. Like I couldn't remember the last time I cried. And so I was so disconnected from myself and from my body and the process of feeling was, is still like challenging for me, but to reopen that door to like allow all of that was so tough, but it just was a practice of through yoga is where it started of moving my body, moving the energy through my body so that those feelings could come up. And then when they would rise at first, I'd resist them and be like, fuck that shit, go back away. Like we don't want you here. And then learning to like sit with it and just hold it for a little bit. One, one second, just be like, can I be with this for a few seconds? And then, and then stopping. And then like you were saying, expanding my capacity to hold those things. And so really it was just a process of pausing more and being aware of what was happening and being out of my mind and not the stories about the emotion, but being with what's in my body, what sensations are here with me right now, what is coming up and what do I need to feel? What do I need to move through? And also like more recently, I was learning that every time I was heightened or activated in a trauma response, which I was mostly living in. Like my body was mostly in this high, like high state of stress that I would immediately go to grounding. I would immediately go to these self-soothing practices. And, and when it, when I was feeling the peak, I would just come back down and I learned that I actually need to move through the full emotion and then go into the self-soothing so that I could heal. Because when I was, soothing before I moved through the full emotion, it would just keep coming back up and keep coming back up. And so learning how to sit with it, like you said, creating the safe space so that I could feel the emotion fully and then soothe myself, I think was, has been the best process for me. And just seeing that like no emotion will kill me (laughs) and no, no thing like hurts me more than holding on to it. There's a great Joseph Campbell quote, and he says, every feeling fully felt is bliss. So no matter what it is that you're feeling, you're experiencing, it has the opportunity to be bliss when it's fully felt. And having a body's heart, like (laughs) one of my teachers, Steve Haynes, says that often. He says, it's hard being in a body. It's hard feeling, right? Like we, we don't we don't want to feel all of that stuff. It's like, it's, it's so much easier to, to dissociate. And so, yeah, like just really appreciate you being in that. And, and here's the thing too. So with trauma, if someone experiences trauma and they're holding on to it, their system, their body's natural intelligence will intentionally try to process that. So it will continuously keep coming up until it's dealt with. Right. So repressed emotions will continue to bubble up to the surface until they're they're taken care of and the body is so wise and it's so sad how disconnected we are from its wisdom like it's always just trying to make it 
come back to that peaceful, loving state. And we're just like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're like, no, not that. But it's it's doing what it needs to do. And even like with a cough, like when we have a cough, we take anti-cough and we suppress the cough. It's like, no, your body's trying to throw, like get that stuff out of you. And it's just a constant reminder for myself to like, like take make space to listen to the body and trust my body's wisdom yeah totally so what what was your traumatic event if if you feel comfortable sharing that and potentially as a single event or accumulation over many you know weeks or months or years it's been a whole mumble jumble of events that i think my heart was closed for um, I would say the biggest one that I've processed in the past year that came up was um, a car accident that I was in. And so if, oh, I guess it was almost a year ago now, my car got broken into when I was on a hike and I came back and I was with my best friend. And then I was like, whatever, like this sucks. Like I was upset, but you know, I can't do anything about it. Like my window smashed. This sucks. And, but you know, we just handled it and it was nice having my friend there and whatever. So I came back home and I was like, how am I so okay with this? Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's something that I have no control over, but you know, I I could tell like my avoidant tendencies were kind of there. And so after like two hours, I finally like got myself on the mat and I put myself down and I, and child's pose within like five minutes, I started crying and I was like, okay, cool. I'm crying. And then like another minute later came and I was like, oh fuck. And I was like, what is this? And then the memories of the car accident I was in four years prior came up to my mind. And I was in this car accident. It was a three pile accident. And I was in the front. My friend was behind me and the car behind us. He was, he had a heart attack on the wheel and went 80 miles per hour and smashed into my friend and smashed into me. And my car was sold, his car was sold and the guy in the back died on site. And I'd never seen First off, I've never been in a car accident. I'd never seen someone dead in real life. And I lost my shit during that time. And so fast forward to that, the most recent car incident I had, and I was laying on my mat and all of a sudden, like I started to feel his death in my body. It was the most crazy thing I've ever experienced. And I was like experiencing this older man's like death through my body and I was like trembling and trying to be with the sensations and it was so overwhelming and then my roommate came in and she comforted me and we helped move me through it but that was like super super intense and in that moment too like I was reading the body keeps score and then I was seeing like those flashbacks how the your nervous system doesn't know the difference between the present moment and the past and I clearly hadn't processed it fully and so I needed to reprocess like fully feel that. And that was pretty intense. I don't know if that was like, that was a combination of trauma and like some energetic something that I was feeling him in me. Um, so that was really scary, but it just made me really feel, feel what I needed to feel and to remember that my body to connect with my body and in each moment to feel what I need instead of holding it in so that it doesn't come up later in my life. Yeah. Thank you. That that must've been such a difficult time to, to move through. 
um, so many pieces to that with your own body being at stake and, and witnessing the death of, of someone else. There must have been so much confusion and so much frightening happening for you that um, it makes a lot of sense that your body is, is like really wise in, in burying some of that stuff, right? Um, it's, it's a really intelligent process that, that your body is, has put you through. And, um, yeah, thank you for, for stepping on your mat and processing it with, um, with what sounds like a friend and, um, and moving through it. I love, I love that, uh, terminology because there, there is a, a movement that, that occurs. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really powerful. Uh, to, to hear that story and empowering, I think, for a lot of people that might be listening that, you know, might might not be certain if they have fully processed particular events or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it definitely took me off guard. I was like, what is happening? And then when I just like surrendered, I think that was the key is like in that cry, I just like fully surrendered. And that's when it like actually came up and released fully and yeah, it was intense. It was definitely not by any means something I'd want to experience again. <laughs> but, and at the same time, like afterwards, I felt so much lighter and I felt such a relief by being able to do that. And I survived feeling that. And that's the thing that, like, we don't want to feel these uncomfortable things. But when we do, we're met with love, we're met with our center, we're met with peace when we can just feel those uncomfortable things and instead of me carrying this weight just to feel it for it honestly took probably uh, it probably took like 10 minutes actually it was kind of long but usually when I feel something it'll take like two minutes but even 10 minutes that's not that much and I'd been carrying that for four years so 10 minutes versus four years I think to me I'd rather choose that 10 minutes of intense feeling than carrying something for four years yeah thank you yeah it's it's preferential for people in trauma work to feel like quicker after the event itself um to really feel that and process that it's easier for the body to understand what's actually going on there's not so much recollection that has to happen and so um yeah be it four years later it sounds like um like you you really did shift something there and one of the the key pieces in that is like, I think having someone else present as well is, you know, if like, if anyone's listening and is like, Oh wait, I've got, I've got to process all of my stuff. Like I've got feelings that like, you know, from years ago, it's like, we'll process it when you're ready to like in a, in a safe space, I think is so crucial. And to have someone to facilitate that experience um, is really, really important to, to know, um, to recognize, you know, other humans, facial expressions and sense of touch and comforting and empathy is, uh, is a real crucial part of the healing process. And there's, you know, like the the word trauma gets used quite a bit in this day and age. And, um, we can almost convince ourselves that there's, there's more to process than, than there is sometimes too, you know, some people, um, and trauma is different for everyone. So, so there's different levels of it. You know, what might traumatize one person might be fine for another person, depending on their level of capacity and past lived experiences. But when we talk about, you know, like 
in the in the world that in the bubble that we're in you know people are blaming a lot of things on trauma as well and so you know you going not going to disneyland when you're six years old probably isn't a trauma it's probably privilege mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and I think like we can be pretty quick to throw it into there and not give ourselves the, the, um, the recognition that we deserve around our own resilience too, because we're, we are, can we swear on this? Yeah. yeah. We're fucking resilient as human beings. And the body is incredible, incredibly, um, brilliant at, at healing us. And, um, not, not everything's traumatizing, Trauma is only when we decide that we cannot handle that situation and and thus have a traumatic response of storing it or dissociating from it. And so, yeah, being like curious is something that I really highly encourage people is like getting curious about, you know, what what feels stuck in my body, what feels heavy in my body. You, you, You mentioned you know, feeling like you're carrying this around, you know, mm-hmm. checking with your shoulders. Like, what are you carrying around? If, mm-hmm. if you were to, to put words to it, you know, where, where, where does that, that word, that feeling that you've described your shoulders is feeling like, where does that come from? Where, when did it first start? And likely you can follow a treasure trail back to, um, <laughs> I guess treasure trail is not the right word, but follow some trail back to, to a, a, a potential traumatic event or, or just stressful event that hasn't fully been processed. And the beauty in all of this, the cherry on top is that every single time that we process our traumatic event, we become stronger for it every single time. Mm-hmm. So when we can start to use these traumatic events or uh, highly emotional events as opportunities, you know, we can really, really become even more resilient as, as human beings. Yeah, I agree. And my Cairo, she's a network chiropractor. So she, do you know what that is? Works with, oh, just, it I think works with me a little bit before, but yeah, it, it, re- refresh my memory. I love um, chiropractic. Work, yeah. So. Network chiropractic is solely on the nervous system. So they don't do big adjustments. It's, it's communicating to your body of how to get how to get the nervous system relaxed and the body naturally falls back into place because the body knows where it's meant to go. It's like biodynamic. Yeah. So it's, it's really light touches. Lots of, I feel like energy work. uh, I'm not exactly entirely sure how it works, but it's magic. And she always tells me, she's like, when you're able to feel that you're feeling it, like you're healing the world, like you're healing it for so many people when you can go in and feel those things that need to be felt, like you're not just doing it for you. And that kind of empowers me to feel because I know that I'm actually helping so many other people by being able to process this. And I know I'm for sure helping my lineage, like whoever's coming out of me is like, gonna. I'm trying to get as much as I can healed before I bring someone into this life. And and like we co-regulate our nervous system, like we're all connected. So the more we can heal ourselves, the more we're helping heal everyone around us. And I think that's so beautiful. It's like, yes, this is I'm healing for me, but it's also healing for us, the oneness. Yeah, thank you. And 
I want to just circle back to one of the things that you said around energy work and magic work. I love, love, love to break down what energy work is because yeah, I think so much of the time we write it off as, as magic work, but energy, when we think of energy, you think of electricity, right? And so we have a, a nervous system, which is nerves, neurons that fire electricity through our, our system, right? And, and that is the electric, you know, as human beings, we're, um, we're a magnetic, magnetic system hooked up to an electrical system, hooked up to a chemical system, hooked up to a mechanical system. And so that's kind of the, the, the order in which everything fires. And when we talk about like energy work, it's so, so often we kind of write it off as kind of woo-woo-y, but energy is just electricity, right? And we have, you have a nervous system. You look at your nervous system um, just alone. It looks like an exact replication of the human body because it extends to all parts of your body because it has to fire neurons to, to make you move, to make you breathe and to make you feel, right? There's, there's motor or sensory neurons depending on their their efferent or afferent if they're going to the brain or, or out to the peripheries and so like this is happening all the time and when we can start to tap into that when we talk about like energy work like touch feeling these are what is feeling like that's such an interesting question in and of itself is like what is feeling well it's it's neurons sending signals neurons is just um little Little, little pieces that are all connected throughout the nervous system and they have synapses that connect them and, and they're firing electricity from your peripheries, from your, your skin and, and your viscera and um, other areas of the body up to the brain and just relaying information electrically. And so there is energy in your body. and You, you are energy work and feeling like just bringing awareness to places like the big toe, like we spoke about at the beginning is energy work and so we all have that potential within us mm. and um yeah hopefully that gives people a little bit of a an idea of, of kind of the, the western neuroscience model of, of energy work yeah it's so beautiful because i was super resistant to uh accessing the wisdom of energy and and the spiritual side because it just seems so fake and seems so unrealistic and didn't make sense. And as soon as I opened up the door to possibilities and opened up my mind was like, okay, let me actually hear what this is. Let me actually explore this for myself and feel into it. It It's, it's so real. <laughs> it's so real. Yeah, yeah totally. And what yeah. some ways that you can help people also access their own energetics and Thank you. Yeah. One of the, one of the really beautiful things um, that incorporates both touch and breath that you can self facilitate is, is a form of neurofeedback. So we, we talk about neuro just meaning nervous system feedback being, being relayed information. And so, as I said, there's, there's uh, sensory neurons that are, are sensing, feeling all the time and sending information to the brain. And we can actually use our hands. Our hands are really, really beautiful sensors. They've, they've got more sensors than almost anywhere else in your body. And you can sense different parts of yourself. So um, in, in a touch-deprived society that we live in currently, you know, with the whole physical distancing and, and such, um, we can practice on ourselves. Like it, it, we can be really nourishing to touch ourselves. And so, you know, one of the things that you might do is just kind of run uh, your finger 
up and down all five of your fingers in the palm of your hand and just see if you can get a sense for, you know, an organism touching an organism. And it just feels quite nice. And you can run that three up the, the bottom of your wrist and down your forearm and you can just feel yourself. And, and that in itself is, is really healing. Then we can incorporate the breath and, and you can, you know, place your hands on your belly and just notice, you know, is the breath alive there? We talk about reprogramming the, the endocrine system, which is our glandular system that produces hormones. It's like, well, if I want to, you know, feel relaxed, feel calm, feel satiated with that serotonin release in the gut, like, let me place my hands on my belly and just feel into the breath moving there. Or maybe it's the absence of breath there, but now you're getting the neural feedback to know that. And that awareness alone will start to very slowly make neuroplastic changes. There's, there's a, a greater system to neuroplasticity that we don't have time to get into today that I work with, but um, that alone will start to make micro changes in your nervous system to know, okay, let me breathe down there. You can, you'd be surprised how deep you can breathe. And, you know, likewise, you can place it on over your heart or, or over your ribs, your intercostals is a great place to go if you're feeling a bit low energy lethargic because you again you're starting to massage those, those adrenals there and start to release a little bit of adrenaline um and so yeah playing with touch playing with you know self-touch and and self-breath and, and having that awareness of self and who who you are in the world not in the sense of like identity and ego structure but in the sense of like who how do i feel where like where do I start and stop? An interesting thing, I'm on a bit of a ramble, I apologize. <laughs> but an interesting thing is like chefs, when they have like tongs or knives in their hand, their nervous system, their brain perceives that as an extension of them. And, and so we actually integrate that into to self. Or when you have like a fake arm beside your left arm or your right arm, you know, if, if they start to poke at it, you feel like you can feel that. And so where does the sense of self start and stop? Is it is an interesting question to ask and to get kind of even more esoteric is like when you tune into your breath so your inhale goes into your system into your lungs through the alveoli and into the bloodstream and literally becomes you right and then your exhale you're giving a little piece of yourself back out to the world it's like is where where does that start and stop where are you in the world? Who are you in the world? Can you get a sense of that? And can you feel expansive in the world? Can you feel contracted in the world? Like, yeah, it's just a, a beautiful inquiry to, to just sit in and, and be in. It's like, how can I feel myself? <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a beautiful thing to connect with yourself. And, and that's what I've been trying to do more is create space to just be with me. And notice the little parts of me and notice who I am and notice what I feel. And um, there's so much, you know, you can do this your whole life and still not discover all parts of you and your energy and all of that. So it's it's a great practice to do that. Sarah Blondin definitely taught me about that feeling, like just touching, touching your own hand is so great to reconnect to. And even like sometimes um, in the morning or at night, just before I go to sleep, like I'll rub my fingers down my leg and just like retouch myself, like connect with myself before I end or before, when I start the day, just to like be with my own body. 
Yeah, Ayurvedic practices ask you to do that with your belly. You know, one of, one of the crucial things that you do in the morning is, is just you, you rise before the, before the sun and then, and then you place your hand on your belly and just like have a little conversation with your belly and, and see what your belly wants. And um, that, that's, that's a, a really worthwhile practice. I think that, you know, they call our belly the, the, the second brain because so many neurotransmitters are produced there. And so a, a really interesting place to tune into. Yeah. Um curious for you, Lexi, um, if you have experienced a moment of bliss, and if so, what led you to that experience? And what was your experience like? Bliss? bliss? <laughs> I don't experience bliss. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Never. I find I've recently been finding bliss so so much so often almost like every day little moments what's that like it's so good it's like releasing all the thoughts and just being fully present to me bliss is like fully fully present and experiencing all my senses at once and just being with the moment and uh, I'd say most recently it was probably in Mexico I was in Sayulita and with my best friend and just waking up in the morning and going on our balcony and laying in the sun at like 7.30 a.m. It's beaming down on us and just sitting there and laying and feeling the sun on my skin is one of the, my favorite feelings, how it just warms up all of you and just makes me feel so like ooey gooey and good. I think that's just simple. And then being right next to like one of my favorite humans and her energy. And we don't even need to say anything. It's just simply being in the presence of her and then being connected with nature and hearing all the bird sounds. There's so many birds there and feeling the sun on my skin and just really activating all of my senses. I find that that's when I'm mostly in the the bliss states or in or giggles <laughs> when I'm fully like having silly playfulness with my friends, which is something I do with all my friends. It's just being so silly and connecting to that inner child and just doing what you like remembering the play that you did as a child and bringing that into now. And I find that's really blissful for me as well. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's so, so gushy. <laughs> uh, and it's such a beautiful reminder as well. It's like, we're, we always have that. We're always sensing, you know, mm -hmm. so long as we're here, we're always able to sense. And we just take a pause and just sense right now, you know, Pratyahara is a really beautiful practice in yoga and it's, uh, you know, mastering the senses and like really being in that. And, um, yeah, like a, a worthwhile question is like the, um, in mindfulness, they teach five, four, three, two, one. It's like, what are five things I can see? four things I can hear, three things I can smell, so on and so forth. And you go through all the senses and yeah, it's just, it's such a beautiful way to in itself, just calm the nervous system because you're, you're, you're present because you're aware of who you are and, and where you are in the world. And when we tap into that without so much of the cognitive thinking and processing and attaching meaning to things, it's like, yeah, if you just like look at a tree and just forget that it's called a tree and just like really look at it and you're just like, oh, this is just, oh, I just smell you and touch you and hug you. And you're just like, life is so good and it's happening all of the time. It's just a matter of tapping into that and sensing and feeling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's a priority. My business is called Alive to Enjoy, and it's definitely a top priority to experience that every day, or at least, if, you know, if I'm having a day where I'm not experiencing that, that's okay too. But on the majority of my my life, I try to do that. And if I'm not, then I li- like, yeah, simply like connecting even with one of my plants, like looking at this beautiful life, like that's growing in front of me and that's alive, like just nature helps me the most, I think, to feel bliss and connections, but it's a priority to me. So I make sure that I incorporate that in my life because that's what I want to feel most of the time. Like I welcome all my feelings, but I want to live more in a blissful state. Yeah, beautiful. There's um, one last thing I want, I want to leave people with as, as a, another practice of, of sorts um, in this book called The Presence Process, which is a really great book. I, I highly recommend. Um, it, it's, it, it encourages you to feel without assigning meaning. So without naming it or putting words, you know, so much of the time we're like, how can I describe this feeling to someone else or even just like make sense of it ourselves, And to just sit and feel feel what is happening and and have no words around it is is a worthwhile practice for yourself yeah that's not something we usually do is we want to associate labels and names and words to everything so it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and i just want to ask you one last question yeah brings your heart joy oh what brings my heart joy conversations like this for sure is 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 my path i think i'd like in the next five years to to solely be just doing my podcast and um and really just tuning into that and that you know not nothing makes me happier nothing lights me up more than than really sharing like meaningful conversations being able to create these understandings around you know some of these really powerful but maybe more woo-woo-y practices and being able to like really explain it in a western neuroscience way is is just uh, a really beautiful um, practice and passion of mine so thank you for like being a platform for that and, and um, being one of the ingredients that that's really lighting up my heart with joy mm, beautiful Thanks for sharing. And I'm excited to watch your podcast keep thriving and you're doing it. It's a gift of yours and the world needs it. Oh yeah. And the world certainly needs your gift as well. And um, I know you've got the uh, group coaching program coming out soon. Is, is there somewhere that I don't know if that's ready yet? Or is there somewhere else that you'd like to direct people to? Yeah. So radically connected is my online group coaching program which starts on June 23rd and it's all, it's all about connecting with yourself. So going in and discovering your soul, understanding you and starting to really build, like you said, a sense of self and knowing who your authentic self is and tapping into that version of you and removing all the mass. And it's a really shame-free environment where you can be held in those parts of yourself that you don't want to notice those things that you've been told were bad about you or told to not accept. And so bringing a big piece of acceptance into you. And then it's about connecting with something greater than you, like divine or whatever you want to call it. And also connecting with earth 
and tapping back into the wisdom that's in the earth and then creating a conscious community. So surrounding yourself by people who support you being you and support you through all your phases of life and want to just watch you thrive and be your best version of yourself. So there's going to be guest speakers, including Brady and so many other guest speakers from around the world. And it's going to be a really safe cocoon. That's what I like to call it. It's like a little cocoon for us to just explore and to be and to learn. Because I think we are on a never-ending journey of learning. So, yeah, if you are interested in that, you can go to alivetoenjoy.com slash radically connected. And there's a little, like, five-minute application process. Let's birth some butterflies. That is beautiful. (laughs) And what about you, Brady? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, people can find me on social blissful underscore movements or um, if you're in the Vancouver area, feel free to pop into the clinic feel. Uh, you can find us online or, or anywhere. Uh, another worthwhile resource is to check out the Blissful Movements podcast, uh, which you very well may be listening to currently. Um, but if you're listening to Lexi's podcast on heart snuggles, um, feel free to yeah search for some some content on blissful movements podcast as well amazing thank you so much and we hope that you have a good time connecting with yourself and hopefully trying that practice of just feeling (laughs) just feeling yeah beautiful amazing thank you so much legend bye